0: You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders.
1: Wentz from the shotgun, takes the snap. Here comes the rush. Wentz gets hit by Frank Clark, and Clark slams him down.
0: Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday.
1: First and ten, the play fake. Russell looks. Going to lay it up for the end zone. Doug Baldwin reaches out, makes the catch. Is he in?
0: He is. Touchdown, Seahawks. Powered by Seahawks.com.
1: Welcome to the Seahawks Insiders Podcast as we get you ready for the Hawks game against the 49ers on Sunday. Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for your Seattle Seahawks, alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hello, John. Hello, Jen. How are you doing today? I am doing pretty well, but I have to admit, I have no idea what to do with so much time on my hands this
0: weekend. just a home game. And, yeah. Yeah. A like we're not
1: traveling on Friday. I don't have to pack my bags to go anywhere. Nope. What am I supposed to do on Saturday?
0: I don't know. You know, watch some college football. Is there oh, college football? Oh, some there's some good games? college yeah.
1: football coming on. You know what my biggest win this week was relating to college football and our locker room? I think you'll appreciate this. What's that? Puna Ford and I had a conversation yesterday that lasted five minutes because we were talking about the Texas OU bout. Yes. Yes. That's pretty significant because usually Puna is very soft-spoken and very reserved in a good way. And for folks who are just getting used to him, he is a ball of energy on the field. He is about as wide as he is tall. He is really good at, you know, kind of getting in there and disrupting plays. He is still warming up to, let's just say, me as a person slash reporter slash, you know, anything on the personal side. Yeah.
0: So get, football, him talking, ca- get him talking.
1: Get him talking Texas OU because that is a huge rematch. And he said, "I said, well, how much trash talk have you been doing?" He goes, "None, because there's no there's OU no, people." Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, but I mean, just conference stuff in general." So I jumped in and I started the trash talking with him. So well, that's good. There you go. All right. Yeah. So there's nothing like trash talking a big D tackle. I just, just you know, to really, it's like taunting the lion at the zoo or something you know i tend to stay away from that right yeah well I'd... my objective was to get him to talk and i did well, that's so good. win for me all right and now i'm a Damn. big ou fan Uh-oh. okay Yeah, I know. All right, so enough about the college football game. We've got plenty to talk about with the Seahawks game coming up. And, of course, it is the return of Richard Sherman. This is one of those games that, while the rivalry hasn't felt the same, you certainly can't overlook this game on the Seahawks' march to get into the playoffs. But, John, let's start the conversation by what we saw in Carolina last week. There were some really good things. There were some things that had us on the edge of our seats. What were your biggest takeaways?
0: You know, starting with the offense, and Pete Carroll talked about this, the best thing I saw was they showed they can win more than one way with their offense. We've talked so much about their running game, and they've been so successful, number one rushing offense. Carolina's got a good front seven. They really committed to stopping it, so the Seahawks adjusted. They threw for 339 yards, and they won mostly by throwing the ball in the second half. And that's – Pete Carroll talks about balance all the time, and I think people too often think that means one of two things – run first or even run past split. And that's not what he means by balance. He means I want an offense that can do whatever it takes to win on any given day. And this past Sunday, that meant throwing the ball, and they did that
1: you have mentioned that a few times during the course of the year on this podcast is don't misunderstand what the word balance is. And I think it's a really good point that when you needed to be able to do something else, it was the run game that set up all of those big opportunities. And look, it takes some guts and it takes some trust and it takes more than a run game to hit those big plays downfield. David Moore on fourth down. Did you see that one coming? I mean, it's hard I on the not. field for no. me to see, but from the press box, did it look different?
0: Well, not. I mean, when you see the alignment, it, Look, I'll be honest. At that point in the game, in the press box, you're writing and watching, and you're you're not necessarily paying really close attention to the coverage. You're just kind of the ball snap. You look up, but when you look at the play, you can see the coverage. Look, of okay, there's a chance to take a shot here. All the corners are up close. You had one safety deep. I might see them throwing the ball there. I wouldn't necessarily see them throwing it to David Moore. I think, oh, this is a Doug Baldwin special. You know that, you know, no safety help. We've seen so many times when teams bring pressure. Doug Baldwin makes a move, gets open, touchdown. But, yeah, I mean, David Moore, what a year he's having. This is a guy who spent most of last season on the practice squad – Got that late-season call-up and has just making the most of every opportunity this year and become a real legit threat.
1: And he has worked on his technique to the point where you can trust it in games. That was one of the things that I said on the radio during that call and kind of the aftermath was, remember a few weeks ago, Pete Carroll likened him to Golden Tate because Golden Tate had been the dual-sport athlete in college, and so his football technique was not as sharp as it ended up to be when he first came out of school. And he said, you know, David Moore was a lot like that. The scout saw that he had skill, not necessarily the technique, but what impressed me so much on that catch, because it was on the Seahawks' sideline. So I could see it all kind of playing out after the ball was in the air. He waited until the The, the very last second to put his hands up, and he kept the defender off of him the entire time.
0: that's such a hard – I mean, it's kind of a feel thing for a receiver because the ball's coming. Your instinct is to go get it and – but once you reach for it, the defender knows, and he's either going to turn around or put his hands up. And what he did is he just kept his hands low, and at the last minute, and part. For that to work, part of that, the throw's got to be perfect. Yes. Because you got to be able to – he just – Russell Wilson just dropped that thing right into him that he could just put his hand out of the – really it was one hand because the defender was kind of pulling at the other arm. So, yeah, great play. We've seen the Seahawks take a few shots like that before. I mean, most famously, although they had a free play, was the NFC Championship win over San Francisco where fourth and seven and they go deep and hit a touchdown in the end zone. So, you know, it's it's a great play when it works, It's uh, but it's risky for sure.
1: And you mentioned kind of that is veteran savvy that is coming through and a player that is new to the game. I love the questions that you've been asking this week about Bobby Wagner's veteran play that I don't think probably got a whole lot of attention in game. But explain what you've been working on.
0: Well, okay, a couple of things. Bobby Wagner's having a hell of a season again. I think sometimes we can just overlook it because he's so good. Because he's
1: so good and you just expect that he's going to be there. But a couple of
0: plays that really stood out to me, I mean, he – had a monster game in terms of tackles, but the the fourth and one stop at the goal line if you go in back the first and,
1: quarter. Yeah, first yep. quarter,
0: or fourth and two I guess it was. You go back and watch that and the ball snapped and you got twenty one guys in motion and Bobby Wagner just stands there. And you watch it and you're like, what is he doing? But he talked about it he's he's basically he's kind of waiting and almost hiding because a guard's pulling on that play and the guards looking for a linebacker to go get. Well, a normal linebacker is going to see, okay, Cam Newton, keep it, and he's running this way. I'm going to go crash in there, get it. Bobby had the patience to kind of just wait and set that up, see which hole Cam Newton was going to hit, see where the pulling guard was going to go, and then he came flying in there and made a stop. It's just it's not a play you see many linebackers make. And then the other one, screen pass, I think it was in the second quarter, his first play of a drive. Christian McCaffrey has three blockers. It looks like he's going to get, you know, 20, 30, who knows? I mean, Tons of open field, three blockers in front of him. Somehow Bobby Wagner gets in there, gets between the blockers, stops him for an eight-yard gain. They get a stop on the next two plays, three and out, Panthers punt. So, yeah, it's just the things he's doing this year. You know, he maybe hasn't had a lot of the wow plays, the interceptions, or those kind of turnover plays, but he's playing great football.
1: It is fun to watch him play, and it's fun to hear him talk about that because you asked him, you know, how much of that is just – the veteran experience. He said, "I probably could have made the play as a rookie, but it would have been an accident, yeah. right?" Didn't he say that? He's like, "I would have gotten yeah. lucky."
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's funny. I, you know, I asked him in the locker room. I kind of followed up, and he's like, "Yeah, Ken Norton used to kind of yell at me when I tried that, but but it works. So <laughs> he gets away with it a little bit more now.
1: <laughs> there, that works." Uh, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. Look, he rolled up a lot of yards, he and did. we knew that he was capable of that going into the game. There was a particular play in the fourth quarter where he picked up 60 yards right down the middle of the field. Yeah, you can't have that. You can't have that. And when I talked to Bradley McDougal after the game, and I was trying to figure out what happened, he said, look, essentially it was a communication issue, and it was a front that they had not repped a whole lot. So when the call came in, they just weren't where they needed to be in their gaps and being disciplined on that. And yet, it's hard to overlook a play like that when we have seen some of these big yards in the last couple of weeks what level of concern are we talking about
0: i mean it's it's a big concern you can't i mean we we hear it from a lot of teams and this one included it starts with stopping the run if you know if a team wants to come out and be balanced and run the ball you can't let them gas you like that and it's happened i mean three of the last four games the seahawks have given up a ton of rushing yards chargers and rams and this game and i forgetting one more they stopped green bay pretty well but yeah it's you can't you can't have those big huge rushing performances against you. You know the one maybe kind of caveat you throw in there is they've played a lot of really good offenses, and you're not going to face quite. I mean, sometimes well, they run the ball pretty right? well. Yeah, and it's hard to stop the run when you know you're facing Aaron Rodgers or Cam Newton or Phillip Rivers, what the what the Rams and Jared Goff are doing throwing the ball. So. It does get a little easier in terms of the schedule. It, the offenses you're facing aren't quite as dangerous, but you still gotta clean up those mistakes. You can't have big, huge gains, all these explosive plays. There's just there's been too many of them and that's I mean, Pete Carroll that's a big thing on defense. You can't be giving up the big plays.
1: How much of that really is a learning experience for some of those guys versus Lack of discipline in the moment to execute.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you have a veteran defense, so many of those guys are just, they're automatically on the same page. They've done it a million times. They know what each other are going to do. They recognize the offenses quicker. You know, as you said, you know, they they misidentified something and there were some busts in there. So, and, and Pete Carroll specifically said they really missed KJ Wright in this last game because he's played Caroline a lot. He knows what they like to do in the running game. So, it's, it's a lot of factors, but the newness of a lot of guys in that team is definitely one of them.
1: And the newness, I think, of the 49ers this week might be a way to kind of get right just a little bit. When you take a look, and we were talking about this the other day, you start taking a look at these numbers and you think, well, if you just look at the record, there has got to be a disparity in the overall kind of head-to-head stats. Except there's not. Well,
0: there's one. There, but we'll get to that. There is
1: one. <laughs> but wasn't that surprising to yeah, look and I to mean, see kind of how even they are t- across the board? Total
0: offense, they're averaging 0.1 yard differently. The Seahawks are 355.3 a game. 49ers, 355.2. Total defense, 49ers are actually a little ahead of the Seahawks. They're at 350 a game. The Seahawks are at 359 a game. So, yeah, you, you look at those and you think they might be having similar seasons. But you get to the bottom of this head to head comparison. Turnover differential. You want to tell them what it is, Jen?
1: (laughs) Well, I'll give the first number. The Seahawks are at plus eight.
0: That's pretty good. That's solid. Ranks fifth in the league. That's a good, solid number. 49ers minus 17. And
1: And they're not even the worst in the NFL, by the way. uh, Yeah. They're 31st.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised that somebody is worse than that. I
1: I have not looked up to see who that other team is, but yeah.
0: We were on a conference call this week with uh, Shanahan and... You know, I, I asked, I was like, you know, I'm sure this is a stupidly obvious question, but how big a factor is that? And he brought up exactly what we talked about. He's like, you look at our numbers and, you know, we're pretty similar. And he's like, you know, we're kind of middle of the pack on offense and 11th on defense. Like, those are good enough numbers to keep you in every game and win a lot of games. But, yeah, I mean, he knows it. That's a huge, huge problem for this team. It's, it's hurting them on both ends. They're giving up a lot. They also cannot get takeaways. They're on pace for the fewest takeaways in franchise history. They only have two interceptions. So, yeah, that... Seahawks, I mean, they always harp on winning the turnover battle, but if if you can win it this week, and you should be able to, that's going to be a huge factor again.
1: Did he give any indication as to why the turnovers hadn't been going his way? I know that there's been a lot of injuries on defense for the Niners, but was there anything else that he pointed to? Nothing
0: specific. I mean, I know their pass rush has been streaky. Their numbers are okay in terms of sacks, but... They've been a team, they've had some games with a ton of sacks and some games where they're not getting pressure, and that was their biggest concern coming into the year was pass rush. So, you know, that's the easiest way to get the takeaways. But, no, he didn't give a lot of specifics. You know, uh, the guy we know best taking the ball away on that team, Richard Sherman, he's just not getting targeted. Teams are staying away from him. So it's kind of fallen on other guys to try to get those takeaways. And then offensively, look, you lose your starting quarterback, you're probably going to turn the ball over more often, and they've been doing that.
1: Well, and when you take a look, here's the numbers that are not reflected in this one head-to-head comparison that John and I are both looking at. We've got this chart in front of us that breaks down all of these big categories. As you dive into this a little bit more, you know, really, the Niners' defense, look, the Niners' offense has the capability of creating big plays, and their running back does that with regularity we'll talk about him in a minute they're also very good at taking away big plays they have allowed just 65 big plays over the course of the season which is tied for eighth in the nfl and when it comes to you know kind of making opponents work for those extra yards they're really good at taking them away so you can't just take a look at their record and think oh the seahawks should have this one at home they are going to have to be efficient on offense. They
0: are. And, I mean, look, we've, they've been in a lot of close games the 49ers had, and they've fallen on the wrong end of just about every one of them. But, you know, we've seen Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive coach. They're still getting some production, even with, you know, two different backup quarterbacks they've gone to. And, you know, we've seen it with all, there's all these Pete Carroll former assistants all over the league, and it's the same defensive system. And mm-hmm. when you're running it right – as you said, that's one of the first things they want to do is take away big plays, and they've been good at that. So, yeah, this is not, you know, a helpless 2-9 team that can't do anything well. There's, there's a lot of legitimate threats for the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, the Seahawks have been very good at converting on third down using that running game. The Niners are one of the best at not allowing opponents to convert on those third and short situations. And, you know, the only team that's right up there with them, the Seahawks. You turn around and you look at the defense, and again, this is why it's kind of a fun matchup. Um, The Seahawks have been very good. While they've given up some big yards in the middle of the field, they have been good at making you work for those last few yards. What do we know about Matt Breida, the running back for the Niners?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. You know, this wasn't the guy they were expecting to be their guy this year, but as has happened to them in a lot of positions, injuries got in the way, and... Got them dinged up, and he's he's having a great year. And they, you know, as any Shanahan offense will, they use him in a lot of different ways. But yeah, I mean, he's averaging five point eight a carry. That's that's a big number. So that's a big number. And there is a team. They're one of the better running teams. They're fifth in the league, one hundred and thirty-four a game. So. Yeah, this is, it's a legitimate running threat, even with, you know, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to try to run it, and they're doing a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, he has also got 10 rushes of 20 or more yards this season. That is tied for most in the NFL. So you need to make sure that you are finding ways to take him out of the game. Offensively for the Seahawks, what do we need to see them do on Sunday?
0: You know, it kind of goes back to the Carolina whatever it takes. They're, we know they're going to try to get that run going, and – They like their chances against anybody of being able to do it. But we also know after last week, if they got to adjust to halftime and throw it two-thirds of their attempts in the second half, they'll do that. So, you know, to me, it's just kind of going with whatever works for you. But I'm sure they're going to want to get back to the run.
1: We have waited until the very end to talk about Richard Sherman. It has certainly been a topic around Seattle. I am sure that it is a topic in the Bay Area. I think it's interesting you can take this conversation a lot of different ways. Sherman was always one of my go-to guys and he made sure that he was available to do interviews when I needed an interview. So as the sideline reporter, I appreciated that. I think there is also a level of appreciation. And Ken Norton said this this week when he talked to the media of when you have guys that embody the Seahawks way of playing football and playing defense, He didn't use the word validate. I'm going to use that word. It does validate that what they're doing works. It's successful and it's a good model to follow. So when you've got new guys in that locker room, you don't have to look very far or go very far to find an example of why they need to do this and the results they're going to get.
0: Exactly. I mean, look, look, Trey Flowers never played with Richard Sherman, but if Trey Flowers goes on to become a, bi- a big-time cornerback in this league and build off what has been a very impressive start, that's in part because of Richard Sherman, because of kind of what the coaches realize that body type can be and because you know he's seeing Richard Sherman film, he's hearing about it that you know that's got to help a young cornerback to you know, know that you know this guy who was a 5th round pick just like me who was unheralded coming in just like me who was too big and lanky to be a cornerback he's having arguably a hall of fame career
1: you know what's funny is that i was just talking to him this week and he was he was pretty banged up after that game against the Panthers. I mean, he had some big stops and he kind of said that was about as sore as I've been all year. You know, I think I need to put on some weight in the off season and see what happens. Now you have to remember that Trey grew up thinking that he was going to be cam chancellor or Sean Taylor. Okay. So he's thinking big body types. Of course he didn't know cam when cam was, you know, as big as he was as a player. Right. I said, you know, Trey, I don't, I don't know that you need to put on a whole lot of weight, and I used Richard Sherman as the example. I'm like, have you stood next to Sherm lately? Because you look an awful lot like him. And he goes, well, ma- maybe I'll just try to mix it up a little, but a few pounds wouldn't
0: hurt me. Yeah. I was like, no,
1: probably not. But I think we need to scale down the expectation on the weights there. Yeah,
0: he doesn't. You know, he doesn't need to be 240 or anything.
1: No, 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 no. It's probably He's not ideal for. Probably not. It might might hamper his. Uh, His ability to run or cover, you know, flip his hips, do all the things, the technical football things on that one. I just threw that out there. I have zero
0: idea. I'll go with it.
1: Okay, perfect. And you know what we're going to go with? That is a wrap on this week's edition of Seahawks Insiders Podcast. We will join you next week to break down what happened against the 49ers to look ahead and to really see how this playoff picture is shaping up. Make sure that you get everything John's got to offer at Seahawks.com. Listen to the game on the Seahawks Radio Network, and we will see you next week.